Escape from Plan A. Welcome, listeners, to Escape from Plan A. This is your bonus pod. Um, this is your host, Teen, and I've got uh, Jess and Diana. How is it going, y'all? It's surreal. It's going okay. The sun's shining, and right. I hope bombs are not dropping. Yep. That's, that's yep. my No, they're dropping. Where I'm at. <laughs> oh, God they're damn. dropping. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We just don't know. Yeah, surreal. Surreal is a good way to put it. Like I'm doing um a comedy residency at a theater right now, so it's like every every night this month I have to go and tell my stupid jokes and like keep writing stupid jokes. I'm just like, eh, we might be in a global war, like, but no, I gotta write my stupid. I'm just jokes. holed up in my apartment, so I am pretty much living the apocalypse as it would play out anyway. I'm just holed up. I look, I look terrible too. I'm like, I'm like really scrubby nice. right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You've got yeah, the facial hair for the apocalypse. Yeah, I'm awesome. practicing. I'm practicing. <laughs> um, okay, so for this uh, bonus pod, um, part of a conversation, like a lot of the pods that we do, really, if I think about it, it's kind of like just in the recording conversations that the, all, all of us really would have anyway. We've been having this conversation because, well, I'll tell it from my perspective. I've been noticing a lot of. Um, there's a commonality to a lot of things in things that people I know have been saying to me. And this is like across like ev- almost everyone I know, uh, my friends, people I know online, even my parents who I've been, who I spent some time with over the holidays, you all, um, is this feeling that there is really nothing worth committing to anymore in terms of, you know, the thing, like, especially our jobs and, are the nature the relationship that we have with work and i think there's this growing sense of detachment um from our work and the feel the 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 term that we've used to describe it amongst ourselves is opting out it's this sort of fantasy of opting out of everything and we wanted to spend this pod just sort of discussing it and um why you know how much of it we've seen and what we think it means um, just this is a topic that you really have focused on a lot. Do you want to kind of describe what you think opting out means? Uh, I think it means a range of things, right? There's a, there's the actual, you know, a crazy man in the woods kind of opting out, right? Um, that kind of gets glorified a bit, which is just literally, you know, a guy setting fire to his life and just, uh, camping out in the woods. It's always a guy too. Um, which is kind of an interesting thing. We, maybe we'll touch on that. Um, opting, and then and then all the way down from there, just like various forms of uh, the best way I can I can the best word I have to describe it seems resistance, and I don't necessarily mean that in a political sense, like bloody overthrow revolution, right? It's uh to me, it's more like resistance to the persistent, pervasive social pressure all around you to conform to the r- unspoken rules of society. And it's a resistance to the validation too. And this is where it gets really tricky uh, because following the rules does yield reward. You will be validated for it. Um, 
so it's so for me it's it's opting out isn't really so much a thing as it's kind of a, a lens it's a perspective uh that i personally use to evaluate um uh, like these tokens of validation the rule and the validation right so it's it becomes an equation right what am i being asked to do what am i being asked to sacrifice uh and what am i getting in return um, and you know, the question, is it worth it? Which is a very personal one. And I think it, it should be a personal question. No one can answer that for you. Uh, just making sure that I'm on the right side of my own principles and my own desires and constantly running this equation, uh, in my day-to-day -day life. So what does it mean practically though? Like, are we talking about, when we say opting out, do you mean people quitting their jobs? It certainly can, uh, but mm -hmm. I think at the lowest end, it's really just a, and, uh, and maybe I mean I call it the lowest end in terms of like the actual physical action that is that is manifested, but probably the deepest psychological um, change is uh, decoupling the link, decoupling sense of a sense of identity with what you do to make money, or the things you own, the trappings of your life. The things that Jess are describing is describing about opting out kind of reminds me of, of some of the like the I think you did a podcast about your experience in um, in academia getting your PhD and stuff and this sort of like unavoidable detachment that you felt between the things you had to do and your feeling of whether you wanted to do them or whether it mattered and that sounded to me mm -hmm. like classic opting out you know is that was that the experience? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I I feel like though I I think um opting out like for me it was just like I'm going to leave this field. I'm going to I'm going to finish up and then uh head on out, right? But like even the decision to do that it was uh it took a long time and it took uh kind of like a few steps, you know? Like in hindsight, uh, that's what it was. But, you know, when I was in that kind of like, oh, should I, should I not thing, it, it took a long time, you know, and it, it took a lot of introspection and just kind of like understanding what was going on, like at the micro level and at the macro level of, you know, what, what the environment was. Yeah, I think my own experiences of it was like, I've been uh, a lawyer for like, uh, about 15 years and it's just been like an incredible it's just been an incredible amount of effort and 15 years i mean it's a fairly long time to be putting in that kind of effort and um my i never i didn't actually feel that level of detachment until far kind of further into it and the degree to which i felt it I always found some way to sort of patch it up and you know i was like you know fuck this i'll go work for the government i'm gonna go work on dodd frank i'm gonna do some good. I'm going to serve my country, you know, and then I'm going to, but it's unavoidable because I think the more you do that, right. the more you start to understand because you're, you're learning as you do that. Um, I think the process of detachment for me was um, one of learning because in order for me to reinvest, I had to learn more and learn more and learn more. And eventually I think you realize enough where you're like, none of this is meaningful because you start understanding what's really going on. And, um, you get to a certain point where you're like, man, this is fucked up. It took me 15 years to kind of really realize the degree to which all of this was sort of 
I wouldn't say meaningless, but it wasn't what people think it is, right? There's a there's a sort of game aspect to it, artificial aspect to it. You know. Yeah. Well, you're 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 in the middle, you know, we're all like in the imperial core, you know? We're all like just surrounded by this noble lie. Yeah, and it's un- like it's it's hard to see. It's like being in the eye of a tornado, like it's it's really hard to see unless you're forced to look. Yeah, and, look at well, it. also for me, it wasn't just. I mean, yes, I agree with that, but I mean, I think for me, for in terms of like the experience of detachment, it was also the best. It wasn't until I read that David Graeber book called Bullshit Jobs that I started realizing that this wasn't just me, but that it is. And he's like this anthropologist um, at at London School of Economics, and he, he's a great writer. Um, really recommend his books, especially Debt. Um, but he wrote this book called Bullshit Jobs recently where he went out as an anthropologist and just talked to just a bunch of people that have jobs. They just have fucking jobs. And he said, like, it was so common. It was one of the most common things for people to say was that they didn't really have any idea what they were doing or why, nor did they have any control over what they were doing, but that they (laughs) just kind of, like, went to work, did a bunch of shit. They don't know for what or for what purpose and a lot of times they were aware of the fact that it was pointless um but they got paid and they got paid well a lot of times Mm -hmm. and it was causing a you know people a a, a great deal of anguish they felt a lot of guilt was something that he said was one of the most common reactions was this feeling of guilt and inadequacy because they felt that they were they were stealing time from their employer which is interesting because work is the opposite right it's usually characterized as the um theft theft or or purchase of time from people but it was the opposite they actually felt that they were stealing Mm -hmm. time from their employer um by not finding you know ways to be super productive from 8 a.m till 5 p.m or whatever hours they worked and i felt like this really describes a lot of my problems with what you would call white collar career is that it wasn't like i just showed up to work Mm -hmm. i knew what i had to do um and then, like, let, let's say, like, I was supposed to, I don't know, we were just producing some product, some widget. And then at the end of the day, I could just see this heap of widgets that I made or I helped make. And I'd be like, wow, that was tiring. I'm going to go home. I'm done with work. Because when there's no discrete unit of work anymore, it's just sort of like this unending narrative of it's, it's just life. It's just life at the office. Um, you can't ever get yeah. it out of your system. You can't finish your work, you know? Yeah. That describes my experiences to a T, like, 100%. And, like, I feel like um, Asian Americans and maybe women, too, especially, were kind of um, socialized to already feel that kind of either inadequacy or uh, gratitude response for being being in that office at all. That... um, you know, like we're we're especially susceptible to those feelings of anxiety um, right. or malaise, you know. And I, I actually think that it's done on purpose. It's done on purpose by the people at the top to create a class of kind of like docile uh, workers, you know, a docile labor force that's not going to question anything or rage against them. Let's go. Let's go.